Shalom, my friend. Today we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 24. I know I said that last week, and I intended to, but I didn't get that far, did I? Didn't get past Romans chapter 6. But today we're going to actually look at Deuteronomy chapter 24. So lay hold of your copy of Scripture in whatever translation or language speaks most clearly to your heart and join us. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for my friends and family out there. I thank you for the opportunity and the freedom to come and study your holy word and to really consider your truth, your timeless truth. Now, Lord, just lead us in this study. Open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to your commands, to your your heart, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' precious name with gratitude. Amen. Very well then, Deuteronomy chapter 24. The overarching subject here is set free to serve. In the case of the nation of Israel, they had been delivered from the captivity 400 plus years in Egypt and had all but forgotten how to live as God's chosen and separated people. But now they were free. God had set them free. He was leading them now towards the end of the 40-year journey in the desert of Sinai and about to release them into the promised land. And he was reiterating here in the book of Deuteronomy this the law. But it was really the law of God. The, the character of God as communicated through what seem to be rules and regulations, do's and don'ts. Really, it's not that. It's just a series of commands that really let us have insight and give us insight into the very character of God and how a transformed people should live and how should they, how they should relate to Him and how they should re- relate to one another how they should relate to one another as as God followers and how they should relate to people who are outside the community of faith. And we're going to be looking at that today in our study in Deuteronomy chapter 24. So I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Translation of the English Bible. And I'm starting in verse 10, and I'm going to read through verse 22. So you follow along in your copy of Scripture. As I'm, First, I'm just going to give this these 15 uh, verses of Scripture, uh, give it a, a read through, and then we're going to go back and look at what each, each section of this really pertains to for you and me today as people who have been freed from the slavery to sin. Deuteronomy chapter 24. And I'm entitled this study, Compassion and Justice. When you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, you shall not enter his house to take his pledge. You shall remain outside, and the man to whom you make the loan shall bring the pledge out to you. Verse 12, if he is a poor man, he shall not sleep with his pledge. That means keep his pledge overnight. When the sun goes down, you shall surely return the pledge to him, that he may sleep in his cloak and bless you, and it will be righteous before you, righteous for you before the Lord, your God. Verse 14, you shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, 
whether he is one of your countrymen or one of the, your aliens who is in your land, in your towns, towns. He shall give him his wages on his day before the sun sets, for he is poor, and he and sets his heart on it, so that he will not cry against you to the Lord, and it becomes sin in you. Verse 16, Fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. Verse 17, You shall not pervert the justice due an alien or an orphan, nor take a widow's garment in pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this thing. When you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, the orphan, and for the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in the work of your hands. When you beat your olive tree, you shall not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. When you gather grapes of your vineyard, you shall not go over it again. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this thing. That's verse 21 of Deuteronomy in chapter 24. Now, this is an interesting section of scripture, is it not? And I notice, I tend to notice patterns. That's just the way I was trained and it's by my nature. I've noticed patterns. And I see this, this triad of people. The alien, the widow, and the orphan. I see that often in the in this uh, passage in Deuteronomy twenty four ten through twenty two or twenty yes twenty two. I see that here several times, and it got me to wondering. So I looked in into the whole Old Testament, and I found five different verses, uh, four here in Deuteronomy and one in Malachi chapter three, that deal with treating the the widow, the orphan, and the alien with compassion and justice. So I think this is really paramount on God's mind, don't you? I, I do believe it is. So what shall we uh, what shall we do here? We need to see what God is really talking about here. Let's go back to verse the, the top here to verse 10. And here in 10 and 11, I see that God is telling his people to maintain dignity, the dignity of your fellow man. He says, when you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, whether money or materials, when you make your neighbor a loan of any sort, you shall not enter his house to take his pledge. You shall remain outside, and the man to whom you make the loan Make the loan shall bring bring the pledge out to you. This is maintain the the dignity and honor of that person. You don't go into his house to get your money or your your stuff back. 
You wait outside. Give him the dignity of bringing it to you and of also of, of maintaining his household as belonging to him, whether he's renting or owns it, whatever. doesn't matter. Deal with each other in dignity. Honor one another. I think that's a, a good principle for us. And it, it happens to play out here in the, in the matter of loaning something to a, a neighbor or another person. The second, starting in verse 12 and 13, If he is a poor man, you shall not sleep with his pledge. When the sun goes down, you shall surely return his pledge to him, that he may sleep in his cloak and bless you, and it will be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. I say here that God is telling us to act with compassion. To act with compassion. We, you know, that's something that he has really convicted me of, is my lack of compassion. Uh, I generally look at people who are downcast, and I, I, if I don't catch myself, I will tend to think, well, wonder what they did. Or that they they probably have this coming. Oh God, forgive me. That is so wrong. What he says here, he says, if you've taken something in pledge, if you've had any dealings with a poor person, act with compassion towards that person. Don't be demanding and don't lord it over that person. Act with compassion. The third section here. In 14, he says, You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your countrymen or one of the aliens who is in your land or in your towns. You shall give him his wages on his day before the sun sets, for he is poor and sets his heart on it, so he will not cry out against you to the Lord, and it becomes sin for you. And here he tells us to do business righteously. Always act with justice. justice. And in this case, justice is the Old Testament, the old Hebrew word of mishpat. Seek to return that person, whomever it is, whether it's one of your countrymen, somebody that's a, a, member, a member of the community of faith or not, it doesn't matter. Whether it's somebody who is a citizen of your country or not, it doesn't matter. Act with mishpat. Act with justice. Seek to restore peace, shalom, wholeness, completeness to that person. Don't take advantage of somebody just because you have money or goods or wherewithal and they do not. Or they may turn around and cry out to the Lord God against you. And he will, he will take measures. He will get what's due to this person and against you. So act with righteousness. Do your business justly and righteously. And we have an insight into justice here, in starting in verse 16. Fathers shall not be put to death for their sons, nor shall sons be put to death for their fathers. Everyone shall be put to death for his own sin. You shall not pervert justice. Do an alien or an orphan, nor take a widow's garment in pledge. This tells me that justice is personal. It's very personal. In the first, in the first instance, there in verse sixteen, he's talking about shefat, 
That is punitive justice. That is seeking to exact a penalty against one com- uh, committing a crime. That's not mishpat. That is shepat. My friends, that has to be done. But far by far and away, the justice that the Old Testament talks about is mishpat. It is restoring one to their place that God has designed and purposed for them. And that's what verse 17 is talking about. You shall not pervert the justice due an alien or an orphan. See, it doesn't matter if they're a citizen or not. doesn't matter if they, they know who their daddy is or not, whether they're poor or not, especially a widow or an orphan. You make sure justice is done for those uh, disadvantaged classes of people, the alien, and we're not talking about extraterrestrials here, are we? No, we're talking about people who are not members of the community of faith. You could say, well, no, he's really talking about foreigners, those that are not citizens of our country. Come on, of what country are you truly a citizen? Is it not the country of heaven? Are we not all here on earth aliens and strangers? Yes, we are. It is getting stranger and stranger for us who are citizens of God's kingdom and of heaven to live here in this corrupt and foreign land. Be that as it may, we have to make sure that we see that justice is given those who otherwise might be taken advantage of, the the widow, the orphan, and the alien. Let's continue here. It's even more personal. Starting in 19, he says, When you reap your harvest in your field and have forgotten a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the alien, for the orphan, and for the widow, in order that the Lord your God might bless you in all the work of your hands. You provide for those who cannot look after themselves by leaving a portion. Don't do it all yourself. Don't get it all yourself. Leave some so that they might, with dignity and honor and self-respect, earn for themselves. You see what, what God's saying here? Verse 20, when you beat the olive tree, you should not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. Then the third admonition prevent agriculture here. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not go over it again. It shall be for who? The alien, the widow, and the orphan. Do you see that? He is concerned that... Now, now in my case, I'm convicted by this. Uh, I have a small woodworking business, and I say, I can do all that myself. And God says, well, maybe you can, maybe you can't. But the fact is, don't you think you, you could take some of the revenue that I'm going to bring you through the sale of the material, the objects that you create and help somebody else that cannot help themselves or that needs a little extra work. See, he's convicted me, my brothers and sisters, through this, that I should not try to do everything myself. I should hire out some of the work. Yeah, I should take care of some of it. I should work as hard as I can, but I should hire out as much as I I can. 
and pay others to do the work. It gives them dignity and also helps them to put food on the table. You see the principle here? You don't have to be a farmer. If you're involved in business, if you do some, if you're doing something, then consider hiring somebody who is disadvantaged, so that they too can put food on their table, and feel good about it. You see the whole principle here, and then he says, "You shall remember that you were a slave in the in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I am commanding you to do this thing." He says, "Because." He says, why should I remember this? Because, look, I've been set free. Now, perhaps you have also been set free from the penalty and the, and the, uh, and the power of sin. And ultimately, praise God, praise His name, we will be free from the very presence of sin, but not yet. But so far, Jesus took the, the penalty for our sin, death on the cross, and his Holy Spirit gives us power against temptation and against sin. So here we go. We've been set free, but we interact, may I say, virtually every day with those that have not yet been set free. What do you think the greatest thing is that we can do for those people? Is it not to show them how to be free? And in the meantime, the best way we can show them is to act out of love, compassion, injustice towards those that that don't have the resources perhaps that we have that I have that you have now let me say a couple of things here I've already mentioned the idea and, and I I'm not going to go over this in too, in too much detail because it's in your in your uh, notes that I've provided a link to says, regarding the alien in our land or in our community. Okay, I'm just going to read what I've written here on the third page of my notes. I know that this is a very controversial topic, a hot topic uh, in the media today. And it gets a lot of emotional airtime. We might rationalize whatever our particular point of view is. But please consider this. Please consider this. There have always been aliens and strangers in the community of God's people. Always. Also, and some of people of God's people have been and are today aliens and strangers in other communities. You may be one yourself, or at least feel like you are. So, what shall we do? What's the the, the main Thing that we should do as we interact with those that are outside the community of faith, even perhaps they're outside our own national citizenship or community membership, what should we do? Well, considering the great commandment, the great con confession, and the great commission, I offer these three things. First of all, we are to love the Lord our God with every fiber of our being. And we are to love our neighbor, even the outsider among us, as ourselves. That's, that's the great commandment, the two great commandments. Secondly, we are to confess. We are to proclaim, communicate, and live as Jesus Christ, the Messiah and Lord, 
That's master and king. And thirdly, we are to make disciples. Those are students, committed followers of every person and people with which we come in contact. And we're to integrate them into the life flow of the kingdom of God and to teach them the principles of truth and the principles of life. See, there's so much suffering and so much wrong in our society today because people have not been taught, they've not been discipled and disciplined in the principles of truth and life as given to us in God's holy word, the Bible. Regarding the widows, I did a little bit of research uh, before this broadcast and found that the United States has the highest percentage of single-parent families in the entire world. That is a travesty. Single-parent homes, especially those with single mothers. Uh, Now, we can go, I could wax for hours on the ills of that. And why are you single? What happened to the the father? Uh, You that know me well know that I am very hard on fathers and on men because God has given us incredible responsibility, but also abundant grace to carry on the work of fatherhood. So we really, really and truly have no excuse. We don't. But be that as it may, folks, we've got to look out for the widows, for those single mothers and single dads, too, that are raising their children. They suffer. Uh, they, they are conflicted because they have, to have a, a, they have to have a job. They have to put food on the table. And then they have to care for their children. And sometimes the kids get sick. It's not if, it's when they get sick. And so many of these are also caring for their own parents. Oh, you're talking about being squeezed in a, in a vice. And then, oh, it just goes on and on for there. And the orphans. And to, to think that this country has the highest percentage, almost one-fourth, of the children in the U.S. are in single-parent families. One-fourth. One out of four families are single-parent families. Oh, this is, this is wrong, my friends. And so I would say that with compassion and justice, we must consider the single-parent families out there as well. Well, Study Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 10 through 22, and get back with me. Uh, Send me a personal message, and I'd love to have a conversation with you about this subject. Would you do that? Can you pray with me now? That we we just have to surrender ourselves to to the will of God in this matter. Father God, thank you so much for allowing us to come and to study your word together. Now, I pray that you would lead us into all righteousness for your namesake. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with you all forevermore. Amen. Thank you, my friends.